Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City. Good morning, church. It is such a pleasure to see everybody here this morning. It's such a beautiful Sunday morning. Um, my name is Antramika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you all to River City this morning. Here at River City, we start each service by reading a psalm. It connects us with the global church. Um, there's other churches who read from the lectionary as well on Sundays. So it's a reminder to us that our church experience is not just for River City or that Jesus didn't come just or die for River City. He died for the global church and we are all his bride. Today we're going to be in Psalms 24 and it starts off, it's a Psalm of David and it starts off by saying, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, Jacob, Selah. Lift up your hands, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. If we bow our heads in prayer. God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for everyone who is here, everyone who is coming. May everyone feel like they have a seat at the table here at River City. We are loved, Father God, by you. We are your bride, and we thank you for taking us in such a natural and holy way. 
Father God, we just pray for other churches who are gathering today, those who are gathering in secret, those who are gathering in public. We pray that people feel welcome at those places as well. God, we also pray for hearts that may be hurting today. We pray for healing, God. We rebuke attacks of the enemies, things that we feel like we're safe and that we may have clung to, Father God, but they may not be holy or in your name. We pray that those things are buried on today and that we move towards living in freedom. We pray that we keep each other encouraged, Lord, a kind word, a smile, that we do those things that you may find pleasing in your sight. In your, in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. I just want to take a moment. Like Romans 12 says to present ourselves as living sacrifices. There's nothing, there's nothing incomplete about that whole thought. It's just, it is what it is. All of us to him. All of us communally and all of us singularly. It's a presentation to say, it's an admission really. Without you, it's pointless. I'm clueless and need you. I depend on you. You're first. All other things. It's this whole idea of the the essence of the whole gospel is a presentation of ourselves to him. And so let's do that corporately right now. Even if it's just in your mind, just we present ourselves to you. And I just want to pray a special prayer over anybody in this room that feels like they're carrying weight that they should not carry. Let Jesus carry it. If it's something you can't do, if you feel like you're at the end of a rope, if you do not know what to do next, if it's things you can't control in others, if it's accusations towards you, first, that's just the voice of the enemy. He is an accuser. I just, I I see and picture Jesus walking towards you and taking that off of you. You're not meant to carry that, he is. It is not easy to do that but we must. We give it all to you, Jesus. We just say thank you, Father. If anybody wants to just express um, through words just thankfulness to the Father, Let's just popcorn it for a minute. Just, Father, I thank you for a peace that passes understanding. Anybody can say right now. build even more in his father help us to recollect the things that we can be thankful for even when it's hard to say thank you don't force that on any of us but help us to be aware of the things that we can be thankful for when we have so much to be afraid of so much to 
fear. Help us to, to lock into those things. Thankfulness, God. We thank you for thankfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys don't know this, Alice has been interning with us from Scotland for six months-ish. And we met at a youth camp that Bill and team, our network has been a part of for almost 10 years. And for over 10 years now. And we met her there and she contacted us a little while ago and asked if she could come. And she became our first intern at our church. We really like, and I told her last night, because she's a little bit of an introvert in groups, like I tend to be actually in groups, I feel like at first I didn't get to know her as well as in the last couple of weeks and even month that I got to know her. And I genuinely am now mad that you're leaving. Like before, I'm, you've made a huge impact, but I told her she was a little bit like Nanny McPhee, where, what was the, what's the statement about her? Or you, when you... When you... When you need me but don't want me... I shall stay. I shall stay. When... You want me, but don't need me. <laughs> She's Nanny McPhee. Oh, we need you. We need you and love you, and there's always going to be a place here for you, and you know that. So she actually approached me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to speak, which is a massive step of bravery for her that she is responding to and saying yes to. It's not easy for her. And, but she's done good when she's needed to be brave. She has done it. She's landed in a whole different country. So I want to pray for her really quick. Um, we're going to present you with something after you share, but I want to just pray for you. If you could all close your eyes and, and reach your hands toward Alice. Lord Jesus, this is a gift of a human to the planet. She is a gift to each family she touches. She is a gift to each person. She is an individual. She is not a copy. She has impacted us more than we expected, and she has made a bigger impact here than I think we have done on her, and I just want to say thank you for that, and I pray that as she shares today, right now, you would remove any type of stress or fear or pressure or anxiety and help her to just be herself, the Alice that we love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, as Josh has said, my name is Alice, and I've been interning here for six months. First of all, I'll just say, obviously, I'm speaking very fast and very Scottish, so sorry if you don't understand what I'm saying, but it's not my fault. <laughs> I just wanted to share a bit of my heart with you all. I want to share why I came here and what I've been doing since I've been here, because most of you don't know the story, so here we go. So June of last year, I was finishing off college. I'd just done my first year studying photography at school, but I really felt a pull in a different direction. I just wanted to do something else, and I really felt a calling towards serving the church. I wanted doors really to just be open for me. I only really thought of ministry as getting up and preaching on a Sunday, which obviously isn't right. So I just wanted to see how I could use the gifts that I have in ministry. I first of all applied for YWAM, and that's what I was originally meant to do this year. But I, look, I didn't really look into it, and I didn't really pray about it. I just saw photography and missions, and I was like, let's do it. Sounds fun. But around three weeks before it started, I knew that that wasn't what I was meant to do, and I had a complete change of heart. And that left me with such a battle in my head, because I I'd quit my job, and I'd taken a whole year out of school to do it, so... The thought of coming to Atlanta, a place where I know so many people and I just love, kept stirring in my head. I wanted to talk to someone about this at my church, so I met up with a lady called Gaynor. 
and she really encouraged me and thought this would be an amazing opportunity for me. I really felt like God was not steering me in a certain direction, but he was giving me building blocks to make a decision by myself and he would follow me regardless of that decision. So after debating, sending an email to Josh, I contacted him about coming over and see if there's any opportunity for me at River City. And he was like, that's awesome, yeah. And things went into place after that. The nights leading up were so difficult for me. I was so terrified to come here. I spent every single night in my room in tears because I was just so scared of leaving my safe place at home. And I, was, I just thought I'd be on my own here and I was so wrong about that. So I just braved it. I flew over here, met the strangers. I was living my first six months and things just became my normal. So River City basically invented this internship role for me, focusing on my strength, but it's challenged me so much. And it's, given, it's been a great time of intense growth. Being here, I've had a couple roles at the church that I'll like to tell you about. I've been working in kids ministry with Katie, and I've loved doing all the arts and crafts and working with all the kids sometimes. I've been joining Cara and Jonathan in middle school and I've, lo I've been able to share my story with them and get to know them. I've also loved getting to use my creative sides by making like the graphics that you see on Sunday and helping set up for the different events. And I've loved getting to help the Scotland team by putting on the Kaylee for them, which was so much fun. But while I was here, I was so excited because I knew that my life was going to be poured into as well. And I didn't realize that it would happen to the extent that it has. First of all, I was blessed with an amazing family that couldn't be more perfect for me to stay with. We've opened up to each other and got to know each other in ways that I didn't think any of us thought we would. And they've been a massive part in helping me see things from a new perspective. After struggling a lot in the past and currently with my self-esteem, I never really opened up to anyone about it and always hearing and believing the lies about myself. Since being here, I've felt increasingly more comfortable about sharing my story and sharing how I'm really feeling at times. Taking that step led to me gaining an amazing community of people here and has helped me gain more control of what I listen to in my head. And I'm choosing to listen to God now. I'm choosing to say out loud that I am worthy, I am beautiful, and I am loved. <laughs> I know now that I need to stop feeding myself these lies and start saying God's truth out loud. And that's something I would never have said even two months ago. So moving on and going back home is so scary to me. I'm so scary to go back to a house that I'm basically the only Christian as I grew up Catholic and I'm not really practicing family. And to be in a place where not many people are Christian at all or very open about it. But I'm excited. I'm so excited to go home and try and be a light in my family and with my friends and try and start something great. I'm excited to go to camp in two weeks in Scotland and get baptised in the really disgusting lake there. <laughs> so gross, <laughs> making a public profession of my faith after getting up and sharing my testimony with the kids. I'm excited to continue my forever growing relationship with God and to continue to do the things that scare me and just be more positive about everything because life of God is honestly pretty fantastic. So I just want to encourage you all to just go for it. You may be in this hole where you think you'll never get out of it and you'll never amount to much, but nope. God is in that hole with you, giving you a boost out of it, and he's showing you the paths that you can take. When you realize there's an amazing journey ahead of you, nothing can stop you. Definitely not fear. 
You probably all know this line from the song. You make me brave, no fear can hinder now the love that made away. If I was never brave, I would never be in America in the first place. I'd never, 100% never be on this stage. So a wise man said this to me. <laughs> if you look back on your life, usually the moments where you can see the most growth have been the, when you felt the most uncomfortable and felt the most fear. So when you're in these moments in the future, think of where you've been in the past and just push through because it could be the best thing you ever do in life. So I just want to end by saying that it's been such an honour and a privilege being here and getting to know you and just being a part of this amazing church. It's just made it so much more difficult to leave because you're just like my family now. It's just a home to me and just making my time here so memorable. I just want to say specifically thank you to John and Robin for letting me live in your house and feeding me and just being like my parents for the past six months. And just thank you to all the staff that have just been so much fun to work with and just great, so thank you. So we're going to present her with a gift here in a little bit when my wife gets back from picking up my... Nope. Yep. We're going to do it now. We're going to present her with a gift right now. Uh, it's right there. Um, we wanted to share with you, of course, something to take home to remember us, even though you're coming back soon. You don't know that yet, but we do. Um, and yes, so we're presenting her with um, this picture of some of the staff that she worked with, and then some people have written out some stuff last night at her going away party. And, but we wanted to send you the same way we received you. And that is, we, re we received you in the company of God in this, in this family. So if you have been impacted or touched by her, I want you to join me up here, and we're going to pray for her and send her back fuller and more loved. And you can join, you can come up now and actually do that. And then after service, if you want to pray about how to bless her, it can be a word of encouragement, it can be a hug, maybe ask her first about that one, and then it can be give her some money, I don't know, sound fun, pray about it, whatever God leads you to do. Um, God, I trust who you are, and I have been encouraged to be brave and I'm a pastor of the church she came to and she's exhibited more bravery in the past year than I have in the past five years and so I have learned from Alice and I thank you Jesus for teaching me through this person I'm someone now who wants to step out more and I pray that the spirit of what you've put in Alice the spirit that sent disciples to different communities to lose their lives the spirit that sends people into ministry the spirit that sends people all over the planet would exude from her and that we would take it in and understand that her life has been an example, that we can all be brave. And as she goes back, I pray that you provide the community around her she needs, the voices to speak into her, the voices that she will speak into. I pray that she would be even more solidified about who she is as a daughter, her identity, that she's beautiful, that that would not just be things that she says and believes, but she lives so fully. I do believe, and I'm just going to pray over you kind of boldly. Alice, you've been gifted by God. He has given you skills and things that it's just the beginning. 
that if you can lean into him when he gives, gives you that feeling to be brave, he will do things through you for him that you would never be able to accomplish on your own. We just saw you speak to us with eloquence and ease and peace and conviction guided by the Holy Spirit, and I was stirred, and God is doing something in that through you. So give her opportunities, God, to be brave again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How are you? For you clock watchers, don't fret. Um, don't fret. I'm hearkening back to my Catholic upbringing. If you've not been to a Catholic mass, the message from the priest is a homily, which is much shorter. So this is more in the vein of a homily. So don't think you're going to be here till 1230. So just rest, take a deep breath, relax. Um, all right, so this, this morning we're talking about the burial of Jesus. Julia read the passage um, before worship started. For those of you who aren't here right when the countdown stops, you missed that maybe. We're going to reread it. Um, so we're looking at this short passage between Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. It's only a few verses, but I think Mark puts it in there intentionally, um, and I think there's a lot of meaning in these short five verses. But I'll read, it, um, I'll read it again, so those of you who didn't hear it before, you can follow along. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, your presence here in this room this morning. We thank you that your presence goes with us when we leave this room. Lord, open our eyes to, to see the things you see, to see where we should jump in, to see where we should be brave. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, two weeks ago, Josh walked us through the crucifixion, which we know was on a Friday. Good, good Friday. I'm humming. Um, just ignore that. Um, we know that's, that was on a Friday, right? We, we celebrate Good Friday every Easter. This is part of the Easter in July series. Um, so um, the Jewish Sabbath starts on Friday evening at 6, right? So this is preparation day. That's how this passage starts, which means all the, all the work ceases in the community at 6 p.m. on Friday night, or sundown. So when Mark tells us it was preparation day, and we just read about the timing of Jesus' crucifixion, what we know is that Joseph of Arimathea only had about two to three hours to accomplish this burial of Jesus, right? So he's under a serious time crunch. First, he has to go to Pilate to get permission to take Jesus' body down from the cross. Mark writes that Joseph went boldly to Pilate. Other versions read that Joseph took courage and went to Pilate, 
right, to make this request. So what's bold about this action of Joseph's? First, because Pilate was the head of the Roman presence in Jerusalem, right? I'm sure there was a protocol to follow that he had to get in line to have this meeting with him. Pilate had little patience uh, for the concerns of the Jews and their leadership. They were a nuisance to Pilate. Joseph had no idea how he'd be received when he goes to make this request that he wants to make. Secondly, it's a bold action on Joseph's part because he's a member of the Sanhedrin, right? His decision to go to Pilate on behalf of Jesus to take his body off the cross would have exposed Joseph at least as a sympathizer of Jesus. Remember, Peter cracked under the pressure of those who accused him of being a follower of Jesus. Mark tells us that Joseph was a prominent member of the council, which is the Sanhedrin, the same body of Jewish leaders that met outside of Jewish law in the courtyard of the high priest to condemn Jesus to death and who voted to deliver Jesus to Pilate. Luke tells us that Joseph had not consented to the council's purpose or deed when they met to hear the evidence against Jesus and condemned him, but he was present. Now he's taking some affirmative steps to help Jesus, whom, whom Joseph's fellow council members have condemned. Regardless, Joseph decides to go boldly to Pilate and jeopardize his reputation with the council and with the Jewish community. Now, when Joseph makes this request of Pilate, Pilate's surprised to hear that Jesus had already died. Why? Well, because typically crucifixion took two to three days to kill the person. But typically, the criminal hadn't been through the torture at the level that Jesus had been in. And typically, when you're hung on the cross, you're actually hung with rope. You're not nailed to it. So once Pilate gets confirmation from the centurion that, in fact, Jesus was dead, he grants J Joseph permission to take the body. This act by Joseph is remarkable in its own right. First, many, if not most, of the criminals who were crucified on Golgotha were taken down from their crosses and just left on the ground for scavengers to feed on. Some speculate that the reference to Golgotha being the hill of the skulls is a reference to the skulls and bones that accumulated on that hill after the scavengers had had their way. So most of these criminals were never even buried. Second, a Jewish burial is typically a family affair. Joseph was not related to Jesus, but something compels him to do this for Jesus. We learn in Matthew that Joseph takes Jesus to his new family tomb that he's had carved out of rock. No other family member of Joseph's had been laid in this tomb. Now remember, the clock is ticking for Joseph as he's taking all these steps to get this done. After going to Pilate and securing the permission to take the body, he has to go back and get the body off the cross. He doesn't have a car to get there. He's got to walk. Then he has to go through the Jewish burial ritual, right, which is the reference to the linen cloth that Joseph purchases and wraps the body in. The wrapping is a ritual that includes layering spices and perfumes in between the layers as you wrap the body and requires time. But Joseph gets all these steps accomplished in time to lay him in the tomb before sundown. Now, when I was looking at the passage, I used one of the practices that Sarah talked about last week, the Lectio Divina, right, to read and pray through this passage. And several things stood out to me. One, we've talked about it a couple times already, referenced it. I was drawn to this word boldly that Mark uses to describe Joseph's decision to go to Pilate. Joseph is betraying himself by taking this step. Up to now, it seems that his attraction to Jesus and his teaching had been something he's kept to himself. 
And the term bold stands in contrast to Joseph's apparent behavior in the courtyard of the high priest when they're trying Jesus after this capture in Gethsemane. Right? Luke's statement that Joseph did not consent isn't exactly a description of someone who was boldly stepping out. However, I think the term is appropriate, an appropriate description of Joseph that we see after Jesus' crucifixion. Joseph is transformed by what he witnesses from Jesus and the way he handled himself before the Sanhedrin and on the cross. Joseph was likely standing in the crowd at the crucifixion when the Jewish leaders were mocking Jesus, right? Uh, Josh talked about that last time. This is a man, Joseph, who was looking for the kingdom of God, right? It's, it's in that section in Mark. He was, he was a man looking for the kingdom of God. And what he witnesses on the at the crucifixion is not the kingdom of God that he had been expecting through his Jewish upbringing. And even though he missed it when Jesus was around, walking around the community, teaching, he tastes and sees in Jesus this, in the last couple of days, this kingdom of God. He sees a kingdom that isn't about power, but service and sacrifice. And what does he do? He boldly goes to Pilate to serve Jesus in a selfless way that Jesus has demonstrated for him, right in front of him. He takes the body off the cross, buys linen cloth, which is the burial cloth of the wealthy, carefully handles the body through the burial ritual, lays it to rest in his new family tomb when Jesus isn't even a member of his family. Now, Joseph's transformation is also evident in that he's no longer hiding his attachment to Jesus from the Jewish community. He knows he is risking his standing with the Sanhedrin and his neighbors. But once we taste and see what the Lord has for us, things like reputation don't mean as much as they once did. Joseph understood that now. The second thing that stood out to me as I was walking, walking through this passage was the term, the reference to the body. The body that Joseph took off the cross. Mark doesn't write that Joseph took Jesus down. He writes that Joseph took the body down. I don't believe that's an accidental word choice on Mark's part. I think Mark is trying to convey the, real, the reality that the dead body on the cross no longer held Jesus as he had been walking around the community before the crucifixion, or the resurrected Jesus we'll hear about next week. We recently moved after two years of living in the carriage house apartments to a rental house just down the road. We pulled a truckload of items out of storage to bring to the new place. And in that collection of stuff was this wardrobe box that held a bunch of suits that I had worn when I was practicing law full time. That life for me has been over for about six years, but I still had these suits taking up space in a storage bin and then taken to the new house. I had enough suits for every day of the week. Um, and Tuesday's suit one week became Monday's suit the next week, and then I just rotated through. <laughs> so it's kind of like how I rotate these shirts. <laughs> I just, I just work through the closet left to right, simplifies things greatly. But that suit life is behind me. I don't ever wear a suit. None of, most of you have never seen me in a suit, wouldn't even know I owned a suit. But I used to wear these things every day. And I actually, for a while, I actually liked them. But that part of my life is dead. So we donated the suits last week so someone who needs them can use them. And in going through the ritual, of donating the suits, I took the time to consider 
what that part of life was like and what it gave us and what it took away. Every time. To revisit why I do what I do now and how our lives have been transformed. <clears throat> transformed. I'll edit that in the podcast. How our lives have been transformed following the death of that part of my life and our lives as a family. Now, the transition between crucifixion and resurrection is necessary. We have to walk through this burial ritual when, some, when the things in our life need to die, when they do die. The cycle of death and resurrection is a constant. The things that die have to be buried before there can be resurrection in our lives. Yeah. The burial ritual requires that we acknowledge the reality of the death of things. It's not a flippant gesture. It's not something to be avoided. It marks the end of one thing and the beginning of something new that the Lord is doing in and through us. For Joseph, this burial ritual is a tangible way for him to put behind him the old way of looking at the kingdom of God and respond to who Jesus was through serving Jesus and sacrificing his reputation before his community. Amen. Even Joseph's actions of taking the body down off the cross is a tangible way we see him putting behind this old, this old way. Because under Jewish law, touching a dead body meant he was unclean. Let's look at Numbers 19. Whoever touches a human corpse will be unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then they will be clean. But if they do not purify themselves on the third and seventh days, they will not be clean. If they fail to purify themselves after touching a human corpse, they defile the Lord's tabernacle. They must be cut off from Israel because the water of cleansing has not been sprinkled on them. They are unclean. Their uncleanness remains on them. We don't read about Joseph going through this cleansing ritual after Jesus' burial in the Gospels. He would have been cut off from his Jewish community under the law. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He would have known what the law required of him if he handled the body of Jesus off the cross and, buried, and gone through the burial process with it. But he does it anyway. Joseph's role in the early Christian community isn't described in Acts, but it's speculated that he established the first Christian community in his hometown about 20 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It's also likely that Joseph is the source of the information that Mark has about what happened in the courtyard of the high priest that night Jesus was captured, and of course what happened when Joseph went to talk to Pilate. Joseph didn't acknowledge Jesus when he was with him, but he takes these steps after he's gone. We can do that with people too. We don't tell them how we feel about them. We, when we appreciate what we appreciate about their friendship. Alice has been here for about six months, and she leaves us next week. You've seen her around. You've seen the contributions she's made here in the graphics she's put together for us, in the photos she's taken for us, in the coffee she's prepared for us each week. And now you've heard her story. Don't let her leave without telling her what you appreciate about who she is. All right. 
Joseph's posture of letting go of his reputation and the things he was raised to believe to follow someone, Jesus, who showed him a new way should be a model for all of us as we wrestle with the pressures of American life and how to balance the workaday world with our faith. He doesn't exchange his standing in the Jewish community for a similar standing in this new group of, of Jesus followers. We don't hear of him again in Acts or in any of the rest of scripture. He isn't chosen to replace Judas in Acts 1. He isn't added as one of the new apostles in Acts 6. Paul never references him as a benefactor of his. He doesn't come up in any of Peter's letters. But from the posture of letting go, Joseph finds the freedom to be who he is. He doesn't have to hide his thoughts and feelings about Jesus. He can go back to his hometown and share what he's tasted and seen in Jesus. And that all started with the bold decision to go ask Pilate for the body, to bury his old way of life and prepare for what was to come in the resurrection of his life. We all have things in our lives that need to die or that have died, but they continue to live on in some way, in addiction, anxiety, depression, codependence, negative thought life, pornography. You know how these things continue to wreak havoc in your life. Those things need to die. We need to label those dead things and go through the ritual of burying them. Because what Jesus can do with and through the death of those things, through his resurrection, will blow us away. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your living word. In these short five verses, you speak to us where we are right now. These words that were written thousands of years ago still breathe life, still teach, still encourage, still challenge. When we take the time to sit, and not just to read them, but to invite you in to show us what you're trying to say to us through them today. I thank you for your faithfulness that you continue to do that with passages we've read over and over again. Lord, we have things in our life that are dead, but their shadow is still cast over our life. We need to bury those things. Help us to bury those things. Help us to show us ways to bury those things and put them behind us so that we can step into the resurrection life that you're calling us to. Lord, again, I thank you for your presence here today. And I thank you that it will go with us. I pray that we will find the time and the space to see it in our day to day. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Um, we've referenced a couple times this morning, we have a Scotland mission team that's leaving shortly. Um, I've talked about the Scotland mission team for a number of years now, so I apologize in advance if you've heard part of this story before or this whole story before. The Scotland mission trip is a, is a part of the network's history. Um, the first trip was in 2007. Um, the long story on how it happened, but there was a connection made between someone affiliated with what was then Wesley, well, it was Riverstone, Riverstone Church, um, and someone in Scotland, a pastor outside of Glasgow who was looking to do a camp for his, his students and didn't have the capacity to do it. In the course of this conversation, there was a connection made with Tom Tanner over at Riverstone. And you know, we talked about last week, one camp. That camp's been going on for 50 years, over 50 years. So we had a history with how to do a camp. So the network decided, let's, let's help this church in, in Scotland put on a camp for their kids. So Justin was on the very first team that went over, and it was sort of fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, um, but intentional, right? A preparation for then flying on, flying by the seat of your pants. So we would put all of the camp things, all the goofiness of camp into bins and we would take them with us. And I went in 2008 and then went a number of other times, a lot of times, um, and we're going back. And over the years, I can remember when Alice was her first, her first year as a camper, she was, you think she's introverted now, she was really quiet then. Um, so being able to see the blossoming of kids from seventh grade age, graduating from university, now working full-time jobs in London, people going on the mission field, there's an investment here that's been going on for years. And so we're continuing that. in a couple weeks. So, <clears throat> so I want to bring the team up that's going so you can pray for them. Um, I'm driving a van of these people around, so pray for their safety. <laughs> I've driven over there before, so I have some experience. But, um, and it's an automatic, so I'm not having to shift with the opposite hand. Um, so team, assemble in this general direction area. So Justin, Emily, Becca, Becca and Justin are going to help lead worship, Austin and Sarah, Nate, who's probably making leather something somewhere, um, or sleeping, drinking coffee, um, Nate's going, Maggie Bowling is going, Maggie Bowling works in student, uh, children's ministry at Stonebridge, she's been on this trip before, she's helped lead the trip two years that I didn't go, um, she's our camp speaker. Um, her daughter is actually here in the back, one of her daughters, um, this morning. Um, you want to stand up here and represent your mother? Why don't you do that? That'd be great. Um, so pray for us. We're, we're still about $1,800 short of our, our goal to go. Um, so if you feel led, you can find that online giving choice on the system. Um, I guess somebody want to lead this or do, do I, you want to lead this prayer? Yeah. Let's just get up and do the same thing we did for Alice, but let's gather around real quick. While you're walking, I will say the beginning of this year, 
I felt like I, talk, I called the pastor of this church because I felt like God had spoke to me that there's about to be a bridge that's built, super spiritual language, between Scotland and here. And we will, it will be like an open door from community to community. We've sent Nate, they've sent Alice, and I feel like it's about to actually grow and how that happens. And so this is a long-term investment, and I feel like there are probably kids in a ministry back there that will end up there in 10 years in the same thing. So I feel like I want you to pray like that. God, have your way. And specifically with you guys, I want to just release any pressure that's on you just to be completely taken off. You are to show up and be yourselves, all of you. You are not performing. You're going to love people well. If you can do it in a song or if you can do it in a hug or if you can do it in slides or preaching on Sunday, in Jesus' name, do it. So, Father, I just we offer these guys as living sacrifices to you to be consumed by you to provide a pleasant offering, aroma, to this community, God, to the people who are being saved and the people who are perishing, that they will see them clearly, that they will be seen, and that those in Scotland will be seen clearly. Help the message of the gospel through each of these people be so lively and so affectionate and so jolting that it makes them take notice and fall in love with you, Jesus. Provide every financial need. I feel like I heard there was only like a couple thousand dollars left total. Alleviate that and more, God. Help us to bless this church overwhelmingly with finances as we leave. Help there to be everything that's needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Father, I thank you for this community. This is a gift to Smyrna that we get to be a part of. It's a diverse community, becoming more diverse, and it's a community that honors different parts of the spiritual walk. People have a space here. Make that grow. During prayer time today, help people feel like they are seen by you and by others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for honoring this. Love you guys so much. Have a good week. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.